Good morning and welcome to the Volume Nerd Podcast. This is your host, Davis Ransom. And today on the podcast, I am really glad to have with us Lauren Anderson, the owner of Rise Volleyball Academy in Idaho. He's here to discuss how we can evoke our athletes' love of the game. Thank you for being here with us, Coach. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you with us. I have read a lot of your... Um, commentary and and I've heard a bunch of your philosophy and I'm really stoked for people to hear about it because it's a little different and um, I'm I'm just excited for people to understand um, what you think volleyball is and should be and uh, we're going to get into it here in just a minute Um, but really we're going to be talking about how we can evoke our athletes love of the game. Um, but before we do that, would you mind just letting everyone your background? Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I've this is now our year season eleven, I believe, for our our club, uh, Rice Volleyball Academy. We chose to call it Academy because we do more than just teams. We do the full gamut of uh, of uh, clinics and camps and. Um, all of that other stuff too. So we just didn't want to limit ourselves by calling ourselves just a club. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, this is actually year 30 of me playing volleyball. Okay. Um, and then year 28 of me coaching. Um, and I started off playing and coaching in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Um, and have now coached in multiple States, both everything from, six-year-olds to collegiate athletes um uh, and every in you know just everything in between um so yeah uh and then as far as you know and i know we'll get into this more but i think it's important to state right or i've found it important to make sure people uh, hear this that the ideas that i have in regards to coaching volleyball are not something i've always practiced um these ideas are a fairly new thing for me within the last, I would say seven or eight years. And for the vast majority of my time as a volleyball coach, I just did it the way that is the standard way. Um, And I kind of know both sides and I fought against this, these ideas that I'm, I guess we're going to talk about today. And Mm -hmm. I, I fought against them and I fought hard against them. And now I don't. So, right. So it's sort of like you found this way, even though you didn't necessarily want to believe it originally, which is kind of a powerful way to do it. And this way that we're talking about, we're going to get into it. Um, let's just go for it right now. I mean, basically, you know, you, you, you don't do things the standard way, right? You have this unique philosophy and, that's why I wanted to bring you on. Like you really have some strong beliefs about how things should go um, in terms of coaching, in terms of the way we approach training uh, young people and, um, and you're living that out in your club. So where does that start for you? Where, where, where does all that begin basically? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm certainly never going to come out and say that we do things like no one else. Um, You know, I, 
I'm sure there are people out there who do what we do and maybe do what we do better. I just not met anybody like that. Um, We have, I've met people that do parts of different, the different parts of what we do, Mm -hmm. but I have never come across anybody that does uh, in total what we do in the gym. Um, And that's, I'm, you know, it's probably a good thing. Everybody should be unique in their own way. Every volleyball club out there should have its unique aspects and not be trying to be like someone else. Um, because I know that what that's like as well. And so I, I guess for me, if we had to start somewhere, um, I always start with joy. That is become the word that defines our program more than any other word. Um, and specifically the joy of playing volleyball, but also just the joy of being human. Mm. Um, and that's, that is the marker for everything we do is, is this going to enhance the joy of our athletes, coaches, families, parents, spectators? And if we're not able to answer yes to that, then we better have a really good reason why we're doing it. Um, and which usually means we don't do it. Uh, (laughs) right. And so that's where it all starts. Um, and, and it, and mostly while I did, I wanted to make sure I mentioned the coaches, parents, spectators, Mm -hmm. it, it really mostly revolves around the joy of the athletes because that's who we're doing this for. And that's whose journey we are guests on. And, we're just trying to make sure, as you said, that we're trying to evoke the the joy of the game from these players or for these players. We're trying to help them evoke their joy. And um, I think a lot of what we do in coaching, uh, standard style, you know, whatever, whatever term you want to call it, there's a lot of different terms thrown around for it, old school, standard IP meaning information processing style, uh, a lot of different thoughts on what to call it, but these styles all, there's a lot in there that I think anybody would agree is not really helping enhance joy. It's, it really comes down to a lot of people believe that that's not an important part of learning. You're not joy shouldn't be a part of the learning process all the time. You have to sacrifice and you have to be willing to suffer and to go through hell in order to like get better. And, um, you know, it, it, I guess maybe it's a nuanced thing because I, I do think there are moments where even the kids in our gym are suffering and not enjoying themselves in that moment, Uh but it's, but it's about, what what do we as humans do to find joy in life and a lot of the things we do to find joy in life mean in this exact moment i'm not happy but i can see the light at the end of the tunnel where that that is drawing me forward instead of having someone behind me kicking me in the butt telling me i gotta walk Mm -hmm. um and that's to me just a huge distinction is that what we're trying to do and i think it was uh, Michael Hawk, that was one of your guests, um, he mentioned that a lot about that. We want to draw them forward. We want to create a vision for them that pulls them forward instead of standing behind them, beating them with a stick or rewarding them with a carrot. So, such a great point. And that's such an 
interesting way of looking at it and keeping that at the forefront of what you do, right? So does this enhance joy, right? Versus I think in a lot of gyms, it's does it make our athletes better at volleyball, quote unquote, right? Or does it help us win more games? But that's not even your aim per se. That's a secondary aim for you guys, right? You want to enhance their joy. And obviously, you know, playing good volleyball is joyful, right? In my, in my experience. So that's probably part of it, but I just love that mission. That's super cool. Yeah. I mean, I think we all love to win and and nobody starts sports thinking, I'm going to love this sport regardless of whether I ever win a game. I think we, we, we want to win. It's, I don't know if it's a human nature. I think it's probably a majority of social construct, um, especially when it comes to youth sports, but it is part of our culture. We, we, you know, if you told a kid, Hey, you you can play this sport, but you're, you're not going to win once the entire time you play this sport. I'm not sure the kid would be interested. Anybody really would be interested. I mean, I think it would take a serious diehard. Right. Um, so we're, we're, we're not, a, we are trying, ah, man, I did it again. Um, you're, you're familiar with John Kessel and mm-hmm. he's uh, very famous for helping me and many others stop using the word try. Um, <laughs> right. And every, every, pretty much every time I ever say it in my life, I, I hear him buzzing. Um, <laughs> busting, busting but, you. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so, I mean, we, we, we are working with our teams and our athletes to figure out how to win more, but that is always within the context of joy. It's always within the context of love of the game and love of our teammates rather than in the context of what does the coach want and what is, what is, uh, you know, what is, I guess that's pretty much it. It just, what is the coach want? What is the coach demanding in this moment? And instead we take a very athlete centered approach. What it is, what does this athlete want? And what does this athlete need? And what are their basic needs in order to feel competent and satisfied as they play this sport? You know, I mean, you've got those three, uh, I always forget what it's called. And I, again, I refer, I'll reference, uh, Michael Hawk, who I think is much smarter than me about this, but he he mentioned in your po- in his podcast with you as well the um, self determination theory. Mm-hmm. There it just popped into my head. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we call them autonomy, mastery, and purpose. We say it in a different order: um, um, mastery, autonomy, and purpose, so that the acronym can become a map, mm-hmm. and that's our motivational map for the kids we work with. Um, and if we don't have those three things in place then we feel like there is no joy. You got to have those three things to create joy. And so we are, there is an element of mastery there that, you know, you have to be getting better at something to find joy in it. I think, I think if you stagnate, well, maybe I've known plenty of people, kids and adults who, who have not, I play volleyball every week with a group of adults who at least half of them probably haven't gotten better in the last two decades. And yet they still walk in and have a lot of fun playing. Um, So I'm not sure that maybe I'm like playing a devil's advocate to myself right there on that statement that it's not necessarily, it's not necessary to find steady improvement in order to find joy. But I do think when you're at a 
the level of a, a youth athlete who is driven by goals, then moving towards those goals allows you to find more joy. Um, you know, and that, and that I think is an important part of it. Um, and obviously the, the purpose part of the map is, is massive when we can create a purpose for the kids that's outside of themselves, that's bigger than themselves. Anytime we can create that opportunity for any human being, we're going to find a huge benefit in it. And then uh, the autonomy part, I think that's the part that's massively missing from most coaching programs is the autonomy part. I think we just model our, and I know I did for years, we modeled our, our coaching methodology after other entities out there that don't really, or didn't at some point in time really put any thought into creating autonomy for the people involved. You know, you look at from years, the business models out there were about, you know, like just getting people to do what you told them to do. The military was that way. Our school system was that way. And our coaching was that way. And our coaching in a lot of times still is in a lot of places. And I think that, you know, there's just too much research out there now to show that autonomy plays a massive role in and motivation in general, but autonomy influences motivation. And so it just plays a massive role in how fast we can learn. Um, and that's kind of what it comes down to for me is like, we have this desire to evoke or elicit joy from our athletes. But the reason why we do that is we strongly believe that they learn faster in that, in that mental environment than they do when they're constantly afraid or, or, or in dread mm-hmm. or even, even forms of hate, you know, I, I don't remember who I got it from, but somewhere within the last seven or eight years, I came across something that uh, maybe it was, I kind of feel like it was Trevor Reagan from the train ugly, which is now trans, you know, transferred into the learning lab. Uh, It might've been Brené Brown. um, Somebody who said you in any circumstance in life, you have, you have a choice to respond and your response is going to be, kind of one or two camps it's either going to be from love or from fear Mm -hmm. and i feel like when we coach most of the time i know i did for many years and many of the coaches i've worked with over the years most of our responses most of the way we interacted with the kids was things that were based in fear whether we were creating fear or acting out of fear Mm -hmm. as a coach and now I'm, I'm working really hard in our gym to make sure that every response we have is one out of love uh, for the athlete in front of us or the athletes in front of us, or in some cases for the coaches as well. Like I'm, I'm in charge of all of our coaches at our club and I, I'm working really hard to make sure that when I am looking at making changes or looking at addressing situations that I am coming from a standpoint of love for those coaches and their journey within the sport of volleyball, rather than out of some fear that they're not doing their job right, or there's some Mm -hmm. fear that they're going to have a losing season or whatever that might be. Like to me, that's, I lived a large portion of my life 
doing that, living out of fear. And I'm just, you know, I, I just turned 47 a few days ago and I'm pretty dead set on making sure that the, the remaining years I have are going to be mostly populated by thoughts and actions based on love rather than that's so fear. awesome it's almost like if you can take the fear out of it then they can develop the love right you know and i mm-hmm. think that's just a great question to to make and and if i could two things came to mind when you were when you were um speaking there and one thing is this idea of joy and to me joy is not this short-term okay, now I'm feeling joy, now I'm not. To me, joy is more of a lasting, long-term um, feeling. You know, it's it's not exactly an emotion. Yes. So, you know, when you say you're playing for joy, there will be elements of pain that go into that, but it's this overwhelming feeling of correctness. Uh, uh, not, not, not correctness as in doing the right thing, but this feels right inside my spirit in a way, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, joy to me is very much a. It's not. I mean, it is an emotion, but it. I. I mean, we don't. I guess we don't know enough about how our brains right. work to really yeah, categorize exactly. it. But, you know, it, it is. It is very much an emotion, but it's an emotion that is based on long-term reflection and and long-term uh, projection, rather than on the moment. You know, to me, you know, I try to. I tell this to every coach who comes into my program when I'm talking to them about what I mean by joy. It's not that we want kids to just walk in and start giggling and laughing and rolling on the ground because they're having so much fun. There's a time and a place for that for sure, but that's not going to get you very much a whole lot better at volleyball. Um, so there's a big difference to me between fun yes. and joy. Uh, joy is that sense, like you were trying to say, it's that sense of, accomplishment that sense of purpose that sense of this matches my this i mean i I know the movie just came out and maybe that's what it's influencing my thoughts on this but but this actually like meshes with my soul you know like that's how i feel when i play volleyball right me personally and after having played for 30 years when i play in the right mindset and i'm I feel like there's nothing I would rather do because it just meshes with who I am and what I want out of life in that moment. And that's what I want for these kids. I want them to, and maybe joy isn't, or sorry, maybe volleyball is not ultimately going to be the thing that is soulful Mm -hmm. for them but I want them to know how to find that thing. And you don't find that thing through fear. You, you cannot find that thing that speaks to your soul Such through fear. And if, and if all we ever give these, our kids in our gym is examples of how fear motivates you, they're just going to be living their life, moving from fear to fear to fear. And that to me, that's just, ah, man, it's, that's, sad and and i don't know i mean i i i'm i promised myself i wasn't going to get anywhere near political (laughs) while we talked especially in the current climate but i think it it, it's all connected you know and that is 
it, it is all connected. Everything we do as human yeah. beings is connected. And when we make a choice in how we coach volleyball and what that, the way we coach a kid influences them, it does have an effect on who they become as a human being. And if they're the kind of human being that is, has learned to be motivated out of fear versus a human being who has learned to be motivated from love. I, I know which one I would rather have. Absolutely. And it's like volleyball lasts however long, a few years, and then they're humans <laughs> the whole, you know, their whole lives. And so having this worldview that's based on joy and love and, and just having someone help them cultivate that is such a, incredible mission but i also bet it's not easy to find that balance and so i want to kind of get into a little bit of what that looks like in your guys gym because you know you were mentioning it you say you know we want our athletes to play with joy right and we know that volleyball is a tremendous failure sport right like there's so many errors that go along with it that's how the, a lot of the points are scored. So, so how do you guys yeah. make that switch? And what are some of the things that you guys are doing in your gym to, you know, cultivate that love of the game? Well, I, I pers- first off, I mean, if you've ever been around small children, like I, I had the, 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 the luxury, the, the honor to work with, small kids most of my life before I started Rise Volleyball Academy. I, even at a young age at like 12, uh, my stepmother who I lived with my stepmother and my father, my stepmother ran a home daycare. And so I, I've been around small children and I'm talking like anywhere from newborns up to, you know, 10 years old for a massive part of my life. And one of the things that you will recognize about those kids is there is zero fear of failure mm-hmm. in those kids. There is zero negative response to failure in those kids, except for the response that's been given to them by the adults mm-hmm. around them. And fear of failure or, or derision of failure or whatever you want to call it, that is a learned behavior. Because failure is a part of human life. It is right. what we do. You know, you cannot do, you can't be human and not fail at some point in your life. And we have, we've cultivated such a, uh, a, a black mark about failure in just in life in general, but definitely within our sport of volleyball, like, you know, I mean, it's it's amazing to me when you look at the the best teams in the world and the amount of mistakes that are made in a match by those teams. And then we have eighth grade coaches holding their kids to higher standards than those Olympic level right. players based on failure. And that's, that's just <laughs> mind blowing. Like this idea that you could go out and and never miss a serve, mm-hmm. you know, like, have you watched right. men's volleyball lately? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, have you even watched women's volleyball? I mean, you watch some of the best women's volleyball players in the world, people who were, 
who were put up on a pedestal and said she is going to be the best volleyball player of her generation. And you watch some of those players play mm-hmm. and they miss serves. And then it's like, and then, and then some kid in a gym and who knows where America has to run sprints because she missed a serve while that girl on the Olympic team is missing a serve at the Olympics that might've cost her team the, mm-hmm. the gold medal, you know, like that drives me crazy because I just don't understand where that, where this disconnect, this belief that if, if we can uh, be uh, this, the term I like for it is writing reflex or, or deficit detector where I'm going to find the deficits within this kid and I'm going to help. I'm going to fix them for them. And then they're going to be a better player. Now I like the, the reality of the situation is like the best players are the ones who accept the fact that they're going to make errors and then focus on how they come back after that error. Those are the best players. Those are the best people I've ever played with. And those are the people I want on the court next to me when I play. And those are the athletes I want in front of me or the ones who have learned to that errors and mistakes are part of life to the point where they're not even errors or mistakes anymore. They're just uh, the other, an unintended outcome, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and how, when, what do I learn from it? They're just feedback. And how do I move forward from that? That's it. So I guess to answer your question is to like how we address it and, and how we, you know, create a culture in our gym to that, that is what it is. It's, it's, it's a culture in our gym where we are celebrating errors, where we are, what would be considered errors, where we are celebrating the, the things that in other places and in other times in my life, there was punishment. Um, you know, the kid that went for the huge swing and hit it 20 feet out of bounds, right. we're celebrating that moment. The kid who, uh, the kid who went for the big serve mm-hmm. on game point and missed, we're so that mm-hmm. that's ballsy. That that's that says a lot about that player that they're willing to go for their best serve when the other team has game point and then they miss it. Like to me, man, that's, that's an attitude I want to cultivate, not punish. Um, And so like for us, that is, we, I tell the kids like my job and actually I'm going to put it this way. I had a girl come to me. I think it was four years ago. Now I tell this story every year and I have to remember (laughs) to always add a year now, but uh, four years ago she came to me and she said, Lauren, you know how most a lot of buildings out there, a lot of businesses are named after what they produce. So like you go to a bakery because they bake things there. You go to a coffee shop because they make coffee there. You go to a, you know, a bank because banking is done there. And I was like, yeah, where are you going with this? She's like, I think you should call this a mistake factory. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, in my head, I'm like, I'm loving this, but I want to make sure she's on the right page with me or I'm actually understanding what she's saying. I'm like, what do you mean by that? She's like, because we make more of those than anything else. <laughs> right. In and I was like, okay, right. you're right. And I love it. <laughs> like we are, we are, it, we're, we're cultivating 
the 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 freedom to explore and to make mistakes and because of that we end up with a lot of mistakes being made in practice and really in matches because we don't distinguish between practice and performance in our program there's no reason to they're all still kids you know there's still nothing on the line other than some tournament that nobody's going to remember in a couple of years you know I mean, I, I can see how John Spira or Karch Karai has to distinguish between what's going on in practice versus performance because, you know, when they go to a tournament and they play in a world league or the Olympics, that outcome has lasting ramifications, both to their job, but also to the people involved. And so their, their practices are with an intent to improve performance for us our matches, our tournaments are just practice in a different venue against different people. And we're just still exploring and trying to find better answers and to grow. And, you know, I, I often love the love to come back to the original meaning of the word compete, which is to strive together with other people. And, you know, I try to get that across. Ah, dang it, I did again. So try again. Um, I, I, I get across to the kids in our gym often about that when we go to a match and we're playing, you know, we have a, a mat, we have a small event going on tomorrow in our gym. And our, some of our teams are going to get a chance to play against teams from other clubs and, or it, one other club. And, you know, I told my team yesterday at our practice, we we get an opportunity to play someone else and we hope they play their best because that then is going to allow us the opportunity to play our best. And if they win, great. It tells us a lot about what we need to work on. And if we win, great. We've helped them achieve more than they were prepared to achieve. And that's something that I think is forgotten. Like these are all kids. <laughs> They're all kids learning the game. They're all just, you look across the net. I, that's what I told my team on Thursday to practice. Look across the net on Saturday. And remember that those girls over there are just like you. They are 15 year old girls who love the sport of volleyball and are right. working to get better at it. And so we need to respect them for that and respect the fact that they're going through the same process you are. And right. let's have fun together. Rather than like, I've seen so many coaches over the years who have cultivated this like enemy mentality. Like they are the enemy. We have to destroy them. They are, we don't need to respect them. They are, they're the enemy. And I, I'm just like, even, even in my, when I was playing, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a jerk when I play, like I've never gotten to that point where I felt like the people on the other side of the net were enemies. Like they're, they're my greatest teachers. Why would I ever disrespect them? I want them to play their best because right. that's how I get better. You know, and I think that that's a slightly different philosophy than times past. You know, I know that there was coaches on national level that they wanted these guys to get, you know, to get after each other through the net and, you know, curse and stuff like that, you yes. know, so this the idea of playing with love, um, even for your comp- you know competitor, 
it's different than what it's been. So do you find any resistance to what you are bringing to the table with this in, as far as playing with joy? And obviously not so much in your club, but I just mean philosophically, are there, are there people that are still kind of like, well, I, I see what you're saying, but I think that there needs to be a bit of a, an edge, you know, a competitive edge and a, a bit of harshness, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent we find, you know, on a philosophical level, even when we're not talking about the kids and the families that we train, but just the, the community, the volleyball community in general, when we're, when people find out what our philosophies are, there's definitely, um, and some of those philosophies we haven't even touched on yet, which add to it, but you know, when we just talk about that joy side of it, yeah, we, we there are people out there that think it's silly, that think it's, you know, I mean, I think that the, the only way you're going to get good at volleyball is if you sacrifice your, and you don't have fun. It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be hard work. It's supposed to be, um, you're supposed to be like pissed all the time and just like, angry at the world i don't know angry at the coach angry at your teammates and you know all of this in it and you know like the chip on your shoulder that's one that i really struggle with this the the people that are like you know use those other people's opinion of you as motivation to get better and i'm like that is the crappiest message to teach a young kid how to motivate themselves like, is that really going to fuel them their whole lives? Is that what you want this kid doing their whole life is finding other people outside of themselves who differ from them and different opinion from them to be the motivating factor in their lives? That means the people outside of them are always going to be the limit to their motivation. And that's, to me, just that's a sad way to go about motivating a child. Um, and, and, I, every time I say that, I think that's an important way to say it because I don't care if you're nine or you're 18, right? You're a child, <laughs> you know? And I think that's something that's forgotten. And you see that a lot in that, you know, so many people are trying really hard to take these concepts, these ideas that are being applied at the collegiate level and the Olympic level and the international level and apply them to 15 and 16 year old teams. And it's like, if you really thought about the fact that they are not developed physically, emotionally, or mentally enough to be, to even have that uh, be a thought process for them. Like children are not many adults. You cannot train them the same way you train an adult. You, you cannot coach them. You cannot interact with them. You cannot have the mm -hmm. same expectations of them as you do an adult. I mean, there's now research to showing that the brain doesn't even finish its full, fully development as far as moving from adolescence to adulthood right. until around mm -hmm. the age of 24 or 25. Like, like, what are you doing to a 15 or 16-year-old girl if you're treating her like she's a collegiate athlete and you're you're having the same kind of intense uh punishment based workouts that you would with a i don't even think it's appropriate for a collegiate athlete but that 
at least you have the ability to say, look, we're paying you to be here. Um, a kid, they're paying you to be there so you can make them run. What? Like, how is that? I, I'm, I'm guilty of my entire career up until eight years ago as a coach trying to validate why I punished kids. It never felt right to me ever in my entire career as a coach. And yet I did it because I was like, well, this is what the experts say I'm supposed to do. You kids got to be punished for what they do. You know, a kid misses their serve. They got to go do like five push-ups or whatever. A kid isn't focusing in practice. You got to go do this thing or whatever. And I was very guilty of that for most of my career until I realized like, it's not me. I don't, I don't, want to punish people i don't want people to do what i told them to do or asked them to do or suggested they do because they were afraid of the consequences if they don't i want them to do it because they want to do it and if they don't want to do it i don't care don't do it it's your career like you know that's a big thing for us like i get a lot of new coaches who are like hey i got a player who just won't listen to me okay and they're like what do i do with her i'm like talk to her less so she listens to you less you know or she has the opportunity not to listen to you less you know like i don't know it's her it's her thing she's the one paying to be here her parents the ones being being paid to be here as long as they're clear what the situation is as long as you've made it clear to them hey i really don't feel like you're listening to me very much and you're taking my suggestions to heart and i don't feel like you're working hard but then go ahead and do whatever you want because it's mm-hmm. your time. You're the one paying to be here. You know, I mean, if I pay to go into a restaurant and buy a $40 steak and I only eat half of it, the chef's not upset. Well, the chef would be upset. Yeah. But the restaurant's not upset because they paid, you know? I mean, if a kid in our gym decides to show up for one practice every week when they're scheduled for three, are you as parents okay paying for that you are okay cool like it's your it's your journey you decide what you get out of it we're just here to give you the opportunity if you don't want to yeah and you had this you had this great line uh when we were talking before where you said the best write their own story right the the best players are not in the gym because someone's making them or because they feel like they have to or because you know they're they're being pushed in a negative way they're in the gym because they want to right and own story so i love that uh analogy of of writing your own story they're they're making their own choices right but i think a lot of times as coaches we take the players outcomes and the match outcomes on our own ego Right. And and it, it hurts our feelings. <laughs> so it's almost like we want to have more control over the situation and and more control over the players and the team when we when we maybe should go the other way and offer them some more autonomy. Well, I, I would I would also add to that that I think, yes, you're correct. I don't I'm not sure um, across the board that all coaches are necessarily um, responding out of ego, I think some of them are responding out of a true desire to help the athlete, but they're based on their own perception of reality. So, so that uh, that coach is looking at, but let's say they have an athlete who's like, 
in a coach's eyes and maybe even in the athlete's eyes has, has the desire to play D one, you know, that mythical, <laughs> every time I say D one and I feel like, <laughs> you know, you can kind of hear the, Oh, you know, like it, it's such a mythical term. Like they want to play D one and it's, have you met kids that play D one? Like I've met a lot of kids who right. play D one who there's nothing mythical about them. <laughs> um, now there are definitely some, and don't get me wrong, I have a lot of respect and, and awe of a lot of D1 volleyball players, whether it's men's or women's, but there's also a lot of them who you're just kind of like, yeah, what? You played you played there? Wow, okay, congratulations to you. But anyway, I think that, you know, the, a coach looks at a kid and says, well, this is what you need to do to be able to play D1. Because I know, I have the expertise I played D one or I coached D one or my wife played D one or whatever the connection might be. And I know what it takes to play D one and you're lacking in this. That's that deficit detector thing coming out. You're lacking in these areas. And these are the things you've got to do if you want to play D one. Okay. But every, any time a coach says those things, I can find a hundred players that didn't have any of those that played D one. I can find players that yeah. played at the international level that didn't have those things. So do we really need those things to play at that level or to play at whatever level the kid is interested in playing at? The answer is no, you know, and, and, and so I think it, it, you know, it just, it's just a fascinating thing to me where we, as coaches, we become the limit of our player's ability because we put ourselves at the top. We put ourselves as the gatekeeper to their, to their potential. We write their story for them, or at least we edit their story or, you know, we're the, we're the producer and publisher of their story. Instead of just, Get out of the way and letting the kid write their own story and step in like to help them analogy. fix their grammar. Yeah. And you mentioned this example of this just like goofy foot approaches, right? Like they're like, obviously yeah. the, the general theory is to have the right-handers do right-left, right? But some of the literal best hitters of all time have been goofy footed, Right. And including Karch Karai on the beach. So, you know, yeah. I think you, you mentioned that. Do you want to elaborate that as, as like part of the example of what you're talking about? Well, I think, you know, there's this concept within, you know, one of the schools of thought that I'm a big believer in is this, or, or uh, believer is not a good word for it, but whatever, um, is this idea of ecological dynamics and how evolutionary ecology and uh, dynamic systems can be meshed together to form a really good guidepost for us or guidelines for us as volleyball coaches or just coaches in general, or just anybody that works with people in general. And one of the, the main tenets of that is this concept of degeneracy and degeneracy sounds like a negative word because in other contexts, you know, if you're a degenerate, that means you're probably not a good human being, (laughs) you know, like you're in jail or you're whatever, but degeneracy means that that you can achieve the same outcome through a variety of different means. So, you know, you think about 
or the kid or the person who can pass the ball right where you want them to pass it. And sometimes they do it with a perfectly straight platform that looks like, you know, would make most coaches salivate because it's like, it's like volleyball porn, you know, it's just like the most perfect thing they've ever seen in their life. And then that same kid can do the same thing, you know, with like what might be considered crappy technique where their hands are coming apart or they use their hands and send it to that same spot. Like it's what, that's what degeneracy is referring to. 